welcome to another episode of The National Pulse. I'm Raheem Kassam, Editor-in-Chief of TheNationalPulse.com, joining you on Wednesday, February the 24th, the year of our Lord, 2021, coming at you from Capitol Hill. And finally, we can say a sunny Capitol Hill. Feels like winter has dragged on and on and on. Of course, it doesn't help that the capital is still occupied. You still have the razor wire, still have the troops. I think it's day 48 of the occupation of Capitol Hill, your nation's capital, your nation's capital. I cannot stress this enough, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very special episode today because we have some of my favorite people from around the world joining us in studio here for the National Pulse. Jerome Riviere is a member of the European Parliament and we're going to talk to him right now about all things populist nationalist and what is going on around the world jerome riviere member of the european parliament thank you so much for joining us here in studio you're the second guest in studio at the national pulse so welcome i'm extremely honored it's very i'm very happy seriously to be with you and to be uh, at the national pulse with this uh this new setup that you have, that's quite enjoyable. It's the only thing that's really worrisome is when you arrive here to see all the barbed wires. And I've, I've been traveling extensively in the Middle East, and sometimes Washington, D.C. looks a little bit like a, a, a weird Middle East capital. You know, barbed wire, trucks, military trucks, so many soldiers with machine guns. It is, it is, it is, it is weird because I don't see the on the outside uh, the threat. But I mean, maybe, maybe I will understand after a few days in the United States. But still, difficult to understand, difficult to grasp. This is one of the things that we heard about yesterday in the hearing about January the sixth here on Capitol Hill. I don't expect that you would have caught much of it, but but at the end of it, and we heard these. Uh, things that were going on between the Capitol Police and between the FBI, and none of the intelligence bureaus were talking to one another. It's, Ladies and gentlemen at home listening to this, it's a major takeaway from yesterday, actually, because what we learned was that all of the intelligence agencies that have been telling us for the last four years that we have... Uh, factual evidence and we know for certain all of these things, Trump colluded with Russia and blah, blah, blah. Now these same intelligence agencies are saying, yeah, maybe we dropped the ball a little bit. One side wasn't talking to the other and something from the FBI in Virginia didn't make it through to the Capitol Police. And it's, it's kind of schizophrenic, like, hey, believe us when we tell you to believe us and uh, believe us when we tell you that you should have uh, believed us and don't believe us when we don't get the right accurate information into the right people's hands. It's fascinating, all of that. But what came out at the end of it, Jerome, was... Um, 
Amy Klobuchar, I remember specifically saying, Senator Klobuchar saying, now look, we've heard a lot of things today and some of the things we shouldn't actually take away with us. Well, hold on a minute. It's a it's a Senate hearing. So actually, I think we should take away everything and go through it line by line. Uh, but, but actually saying, we don't want these fences. We want people to come here and picnic on the grounds of the Capitol and we want people to be able to walk in and enjoy themselves. It does seem to me like the establishment knows that it's overreaching now and it's continuing to overreach and now they're trying to kind of row back a little bit from this totalitarian position of we're going to lock down because remember two weeks ago they were telling us everything will for the foreseeable future on capitol hill be locked down you the nation will not be allowed to access your capital and just fast forward two weeks and now they're saying to us yeah maybe we're a little bit overzealous and we can probably do without a lot of these restrictions now just apply that level of logic to information rather than rather than physical boundaries and you start to realize the overzealousness of the narrative of january the 6th as well so jerome i want to start on that point with you the view from abroad of january the 6th because i i was sitting in my studio in downtown washington dc on the day and i i I kind of even skirted close to to looking at it like a like a sort of bastille day type of thing but then no exactly but then but then later on in the day it started to become clear that this was nothing of the sort and you had you had um pre-planned violent um just nonsensical riotousness uh, outside the Capitol building, where it wasn't, it wasn't coming from ordinary people who cared about their country and protecting their republic and their constitution and getting rid of these awful politicians. It was actually coming from people who had a much more nefarious, uh, you know, idea uh, about the future of the United States at heart. So, what did it look like from France? You know, um, first of all, I want to reiterate the fact that I am a populist. I'm a nationalist in my in my own country, in France. I, I with Marine Le Pen, we 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 looked very favorably on what uh, President Trump was doing, making America great again. So this is from this view viewpoint that I that I that I'll I'll, I'll talk to you. Um, the invasion or the the the, the taking of the capital uh, was a disgrace. It didn't look good. It didn't look good for the United States. It didn't look good for, for America. But then you made it a huge trauma that it is not. Um, that There was obvious, and it's normal that there is an inquiry, some, some police failure. When you have a large crowd coming to a city, you, you monitor it. It's easy to do. It is the same type of failure that we had in France when the Gilets Jaunes took over the Arc de Triomphe it's the police being taken over because they didn't take it seriously or because somebody in a political in, in a position of power used it but please wake up wake up right now when i when looking at the united states you are stuck in the aftermath of the trauma that was the presidential election what you need to deal with and and, and i'm sorry to say that and I, i'm saying it as a foreigner but you need but to But you're deal also with saying it as a friend as a friend, definitely, as someone who likes the United States very much. But you have to fix your electoral system. I still am shocked by the fact that you can go and vote without a voter identification. It does not make sense. It has nothing to do with democracy. If you vote, you need to know who is voting. So fix your system, fix your election, but wake up. The world is looking at the United States. And while you are having this huge trauma, um, specifically about about the, the, the January 6th uh, events, the world is, is moving on. 
China is laughing. Russia is looking at you in disbelief. Europe is running like a, a duck without a head because for a long time, European Union has, has not known what it is doing. And a nation that, that wants to entertain a good relationship with the United States need to know where you stand. And it is, I, I think it is, it is time for the, for, the, for the United States to, to put the events surrounding the election behind, behind you. Look at the electoral system, because I think sure. the real problem is your electoral system, the elections themselves. But, I mean, January 6th has nothing to do with, with Bastille Day. On Bastille Day, right. it triggered a real revolution that, that, that uh, killed an entire system, a monarchy that had lasted over centuries. Mm. It was a, a slaughter. A lot of people were killed. has nothing to do with, with what happened. Every death is regrettable, but it, it, was, it, it is... It is Events are, are disgraceful, and I think it was a, a disgrace to the United States, to the idea and to the image that the United States projects all over the world. But but that's it. And and now you need to to go forward. And this is one of the reasons I'm in the United States now. It's to go at CPAC, because I'm I'm looking forward to understand how the the, the great old party, how the Republicans are going to restructure themselves. Mm. Do they understand that with Trump they were lucky enough to become an, a, a, a nationalist party, a populist party, or do they go back to not knowing where they are and 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 will lose election after election in France? Where I come from, I used to be a member of the equivalent of the Republican Party, uh, which which was Sarkozy's party, and they lost the election because they did not hold to the fact that the the, the future of such movement is through the people, being being the party of the people. And uh, so CPAC, I hope, will will be one of the many talks that you need to have in order to to go one step further. Well, look, I mean. I'm I'm always brutally honest with my audience. I don't hide anything from them. But I, I I tell them what I know. There isn't a tactical way that I deploy information to them. And so, Jerome, I will say to you that I don't have much hope in the fact that CPAC will will reinvigorate anything into the because CPAC is basically a corporate get together now, right? Most most of the people there are there to sell things. They're not actually there to network. They're not there to hear good. So I, and believe me, I'm a ten year long CPAC attendee. This will be the first year in ten years years that I'm not going and I'm distraught about it in a lot of ways because I want to go and I want to experience that and I want to get together with other conservatives and plan and plot and scheme and have fun and do all the things that I'm used to doing but but it's become this it, it's almost like a microcosm of the Republican Party um, over the last 20 years it's become this corporate bed of people that are not willing to look beyond what lines their own pockets but but that's not the point right but the Raymond, people. I would agree with you, but Trump is coming and he's going to talk. Trump's and he's going, 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 going to shake them and he's going to state where he stands. And then all these people that you described will have to take a stand. Trump is going because there is no other venue. Yeah, but so that we have to make use of that venue. I agree with that. I'm not saying that Trump shouldn't go. I'm saying Trump is going because that is the only venue on the conservative right for a big audience of people to go to and for him to speak there. But you said something more interesting there that he's going to shake them. Why do you think? He, what do you think he is going to say that shakes them? First of all, what I hope is that he's going to say that he's staying with the great old party, that he's a Republican, and the step further is that the Republicans are Trumpist, and that the future. Of he's the going Repub to assert his dominance over the party. So, I'm, you know, as a foreigner, I, I, not that I don't care about him, but I care about his ideas and policies. And the policies of making nation-state 
vigorous again is what I believe in. I believe that we need we need to be able to have to entertain relation between nations. I don't want some kind of supranational power to take over and to decide for us. I, I'm not a strong believer in in, in UN mechanism. Mm. It is good to have places where we can talk and discuss, but the main thing is kinship between nations, mm. cooperation between nations. I don't want to be subdued by another nation. And this is what Trump was doing very properly, race, re- restating the fact that nation states are what matters in the end. And I hope that he's going to define that and that the Republican Party is, un- is going to understand that they are the, the party of the nation state in the United States. And then we can we can hopefully work with them because, as you know, we're going to win uh, in the next presidential election in France. Well, so tell us about that. Tell us about well, when is the next presidential election in France and why, why do you have such confidence? Because, you know, the last one, uh, you know, there were a lot of complaints that, that, that your party leader didn't perform very well in the debates and that, that, that on, on economics specifically was perhaps the reason that she fell down. Uh, I understand there's been a lot of uh, uh, kind of looking at this from within and 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 staring down the 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 demons that the 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 old front national had within itself so tell us a little bit about the change in the party and the change in the thing uh, uh, you know the, the the prospectus in general and why you believe now you're in a position where you can actually win the election the the, the fact is the divide that exi- existed in 2017 is way more visible now the election is in 14 months and the divide is really clearly between the people that think global and the people that think national. For a long, long time, Macron is, is the incarnation in France of the globalist. He believes in no-border policies. He believes that citizens are, before anything, customers. And now he even believes that they are products themselves. You know, the, the, this idea that you can, you can rent your belly in order to have a baby for someone else. And, and, and this is a, a, a whole different concept of what the human being is. And this is a globalist agenda. Open borders, mass migration, customers and product, nothing else. You don't matter as a citizen uh, yourself. This was the dominant culture in, in, in the United States, in, in Europe, in France, until Brexit, and 2016, until, until Trump was uh, elected in the United States. And in France, Macron won in, in 2017 on that belief. But the thing is, uh, the China virus or the COVID virus, whatever you name it, displayed the fact that the globalist culture, the globalist policy do not work. Uh, we have seen... So they work for them. No, it did not even work for them because it, it is destroying everything. So, in, in fact, they were unable to tackle the, the pandemia. They, for example, in France, we never ever closed our borders. Mm-hmm. For the, they, they, are started, they started monitoring borders. Like, but it worked for the oligarchs. It did work for the oligarchs. Right. It works for the for f- large pharmaceutical companies that are going to push their vaccine uh, down the throat of the people willing or, or, or not. It works for exactly for a few people, but it did not protect the, 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 the common citizen that we are. Uh, and, and Why do they care about the common citizen? That they you don't are? care about... They should, they, why they, why they, should they? Because in the end, they are going to realize these people that they are citizen and they hold a, a ballot. And they are going to vote in, in 14 months saying, look, 
we don't like that anymore. We don't want to be seen just as, as, as product or, or consumers. And they are going to say, we want as citizens to have our, our right recognized. And this is what we are banking on, is the fact that the divide now is not between right and left or, 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 or any old divide that used to exist, but the, the real divide is between the people that see the planet as a whole governed by a few, a happy few, and a planet divided in nations where in a nation it's like your home. You, you take care of your people before you take care of the people outside. Doesn't mean you have to be mean to the people outside, right. but you first take care of the people within your home. And this is what nation sites are about, and this is what Marine Le Pen is about. She has been advocating the fact that French people should come first in France. And it makes sense. People, the globalists, used to say you're selfish, but after the COVID crisis, I'm telling you, they, they listen to us and they would like to be first in France. So that's why we are going to win. That's really interesting. So the so the pandemic has almost created a more, um, I, I, you know, I don't mean this in a pejorative, but a kind of more insular or, or at least, you know, recognizing that your community, your family comes first more than anything else. People have been suffering through this. They've seen their friends and family members go through uh, depression. Some sadly have even, you know, decided to act uh, in, in, in horrific ways on that depression. People are, you know, really concerned about the fact that they don't get to socialize with other people and, and, and go out and do their normal day-to-day lives. Let me ask you a question. Um, what is it like, for instance, if you walk down the street in Paris without a mask on? Or people look at you as if you're trying to kill them. It's, it's, there, is a, there has been a, a lot of uh, a fear that has been put into the, the, the French people. Now people live in fear, which is not fair because as much as I, 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 I recognize that this pandemia is... Uh, is this pandemic, sorry, is, is, is real. It is threatening. Uh, the fact is, when you look at data, we know what type of people will be at risk. Mainly, it is people that are 85 years old or older. So we know how to address them. We should spend a lot of money taking care of them. We know that our, it is people that are obese, that are people that are heavily overweight. So we should treat them like... like um, people that are victim of, of a disease, not people that are becoming obese by choice. And this is something in Europe, especially people that are overweight are looked down upon because citizens say, you know, it's, it's, your, it's so your choice, your way of life. No, it is not. It is, it, is, it is a disease. It is also sometimes people that do not have enough money and they, and they go eat food that is, not, that is not appropriate in order to remain healthy. So we should spend money taking care of these people that could be the first victim of the, of the, of the virus. But the rest of the country should be open for business in order to have a boosting economy so that we can spend money on the, on the people that are the weakest. What but, is the attitude to that in France? What is the, you know, what is, what does the average person think about immediately reopening? Because as I understand it correctly, you have a, a nightly curfew right now? Yeah, exactly. You're, like during World War II. <laughs> well, what do you mean? I at mean, six o'clock, Americans will, Americans will not understand this at all. You have to be in your home by 6 p.m. every exactly. night. Exactly. You're not allowed to walk in the street. This isn't a movie. PM. It's not this a movie. Real life. It's right now in Paris. You go in Paris, past 6 p.m., the police will stop you and they'll fine you. They don't shoot you down in the street, but they'll fine Yet. you. It's 135 euros, basically $150 if you walk in the street of Paris or any cities or any part of the countryside past 6 p.m. And to be very clear, I mean, Paris is a city that survives on its nightlife. 
right? I don't mean just I can past six p.m. It's not even nightlife. It's just sure daily life. You sure. you go shopping after work. Right. You 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 have you go get your kids. Some kids get out of school late at night. So it did not make any sense. It's as if suddenly at six p.m. the virus becomes stronger and grabs you out of the street and <laughs> and throw you in a hospital. It it makes no sense. And there there is even a, a study that was made and and uh, that was disclosed uh, earlier this week. In Toulouse, which is a main city in the south uh, southwest of France, they did a study on the impact of this curfew, and they discovered that in fact it has increased the transmission of the virus because people go shopping at 5:30, so you have huge cluster of people oh, trying wow. to shop together at the same time, rushing in, and the virus uh, circulation of the virus has increased. So a lot of the measures that have been taken by the French government by Macron are definitely not efficient. And there is a, people are fed up. People mm. are, are ready to reopen. People are ready to take some kind of risks. They want to be generous with the with with the part of the population that is under un, un, under risk. Under risk, yeah. you know, you you are willing to spend that money, but you cannot cancel a whole generation of other people just because uh, some of some some of the French citizens are, are are going to be at risk. And and I think we have data now from all over the world that shows that demonstrate that. No matter what type of policies we have been doing, the death ratio is basically the same. You look at Sweden, Sweden, another country in Europe, uh, where they did not do any curfews, they didn't do any lockdown, masks are not mandatory. The death toll basically is the same. So the the peak has been different, but the death toll is the same. So the, the key point is, do we have enough ICU beds? So nations should really buff up their capabilities to have people in ICU beds. And do we have treatment? In France, believe me or not, but we do not have any treatments in the United States. Wait, what, what do you mean we Treat- don't have any treatments? The, 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 the medical... You mean the therapeutics? No therapeutics, none whatsoever. They have, they have banked on the fact that everybody should get a vaccine, but then they don't believe well, that... What happens... Well, hold on. If, if, I, if, I were in France, if I were in Paris yeah. today and I came down with a severe case of, of COVID-19, of the CCP's virus, right? Um, the, they would put me, what, in an ICU? Yep. And they would either, put... Uh, either they need to put you in an ICU to get you oxygen. They'd be in a, would they give me a ventilator? Yeah. Wait, hold on. I thought we would be on this now. I thought we realized that the ventilators were killing more people than they were saving. Yeah, they, they are not there. So they well, are, I mean, they over have, here, um, they're be, using be, the CPAP to, machines. To, to be, and you, you, have, you have all the type of oxygenation right, right, methods, right. Yeah. but basically they rely on, on increased oxygenation. Fine. And, but they are not, you know, we have monoclonal uh, treatment, polyclonal yeah. treatment. Mm-hmm. They are not being implemented in France at all. Germany, and I've, I keep on complaining in France, Germany acquired 200,000 doses of uh, monoclonal treatments. France, Macron's France, still refuses to acquire this treatment. Doesn't make any sense. What do you mean refuses to acquire? They're not even interested. Yes, they don't. They don't spend the money. Well, what do the we, scientists you, say? You know, you have you have, you have, you have all kinds of scientists, and okay. if you if you look at the debate, you you can see well recognized people that tell you this is this is not serious, and you have well recognized people that tell sure. you we should do that. So it is. I'm not a scientist. I'm a politician, yeah. and I think politicians should be pragmatic and and look at what is going on and what is successful, and you should take bets. France is the only member of the Security Council of the United Nations. You have five members of the United Nations, United States, Russia, China, the UK, and France. France is the only, con- the only member of the Security Council that did not develop its own vaccine. 
it shows it's Macron has Why? not been spending any money on research and development in France. He did not initiate any programs. Don't you, wait, hold on. Don't you have some of the best pharmaceutical yes, we, companies we in the world? Yes, we do. Sanofi, for example, right. is one of the best ones. Yeah. They decided to move to the United States because they had a better environment for their research and development. So they are developing things in the United States and not doing it in France. When did they move? And another company... Um, in another company uh, in, the, in, in, in Brittany, uh, they developed a, a, a prototype of a vaccine. They went to France, to the French government, and said, we, we need, uh, we need uh, 100 million euros to develop that, uh, that product. The French government said, not interested. They went to the European Union. The European Union said, not interested. They went to the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom said, oh, this is a good bet, 100 million, not very expensive. Keep in mind that a lockdown cost a billion a day in France, a billion a day. So 100 million is, is uh, an hour of that right. day. And now this vaccine is successful and the vaccine is going to be produced in the United Kingdom, used first by the British citizens. So this is, this is Macron's Jerome, France. Jerome, I've told you for a long time, you know, <laughs> I've told you for a long time that Britannia rules the waves. Our guest is... Don't, don't Jer- forget 1066. How <laughs> could I forget? Our guest is Jerome Rivier. a member of the European Parliament, uh, member of the Rassemblement National Party. You can follow Jerome if you're on social media. It's at Jerome, as you would expect it to be spelt. Then an underscore and Rivier, which is R-I-V-I-E-R-E. Jerome, last time you were over here, you told me an interesting thing. Rivier is the same as Revere, right? As in Paul Revere. Yeah, he basically his his ancestors were from from France, from the southwest part of France near Bordeaux. So it's the same roots. Yes, so exactly. You are Jerome Revere. And exactly. I'm, I'm coming with my lantern. Yeah, and you're saying the British are coming. The, the British Reds are, coming. are coming. You know, this that's is, why I'm across from you. This is with my lantern. <laughs> I got to tell you, you know, Jerome. I, the one of the reasons I love to hang out and converse with Jerome so much is that we have this British French. Uh, sort of semi-hostility and banter with almost every conversation we have. He's a fantastic source of information. I want to make sure that you're all following him. It's Jerome underscore Riviere. I'll make sure that uh, along with the um, Twitter and all of that, I will put his social media handle in the description on the podcast for you as well. Jerome, you know, you seem to be a, a a kind of a jack of all trades. We say you you can you can talk about vaccines and pharmaceuticals. You can talk about transhumanism. You are somebody who is very well versed in economic policy. You also, I think, hold the defense brief for your party, uh, and, and so you are. I mean, perhaps one of the leading lights of the Rassemblement National. I think one of the people who is going to be there for a long time. I have so many questions for you about the European Parliament, because uh, I don't know any other members of the European Parliament now. Now that Nigel's gone, you're my, you're my source in the European Parliament. But I want to ask you first, we'll get on to the European Parliament and how it behaves and how it acts and all of this. But I think in American audience, you know, we have a slightly larger, you know, we have an Anglosphere audience and many Australians and, 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 and Brits and Indians and, and, and beyond listening to this podcast. So first, there, there, there are three things really that are on the forefront uh, for, for them. And the first one is mail-in ballot fraud and mail-in ballots in general now you talked about moving on from the last election but you caveated that right you said you got to move on in terms of moving on from the trauma of it but you also have to get a grip on your electoral system tell us a little bit about france's electoral system its flirtations with 
uh, advanced voting. You mentioned this morning on the war room that there is now a new flirtation with this. But actually, I think you kind of, as a nation, rejected this once upon a time, yeah, right? The, the, France used to have uh, mailing voting, but it was a, a, a major problem because you could fix an election. It, it was pretty much recognized in France that mailing voting was a way to fix an election. So in 1975, we... we By fix, you mean rig. Rig, yeah, right, to, yeah. To, to, to have an unfair election, to mm. cheat, to, to, to make sure that the, the, it is not necessarily the person who gets the most uh, regular vote that gets elected. So in 1975, the, the government decided to pass a law uh, prohibiting uh, mail-in voting and, and making sure that, in fact, the system is very basic if you want to vote, you have to come in person. You have to show some type of, uh, of, of identity proof to know who you are, and you can vote. Or you can have a, a proxy, but it's one proxy maximum per person. And in order to have the proxy, you need to go through a, a quite a complicated system that goes through either the police or the or the city hall. And the and and the point being that it's one person, one vote. And uh, it has been holding on, and nobody has complained about that. We don't have machine voting. We don't have all those weird things. But the the thing is, Macron, who is a, a, a true globalist, looked at the U.S. election, and he was that he noticed that you can do a lot of things with uh, with mailing voting. You can you can you can have a lot of gray areas. And last week, at 10 p.m. on the Senate floor, his government introduced an amendment. To, to, to uh, a law that had nothing to do with that, some type of flibustier amendment. Uh, some sort of what? Flibustier. I don't know. You, uh, some uh, flibustier. A, a filibuster? A filibuster. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. Filibuster uh, yeah, yeah. amendment. Mm -hmm. Flibuster. Uh, okay. Filibuster amendment. You're correcting my English. Good. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's, my, it's the filibuster. only job I, uh, an Englishman can correctly do. So an amendment that had not, that is not related to the piece of legislation that, that, has, been, uh, that has been under scrutiny that was asking for early voting possibilities for the next presidential election. So you can tell that the, 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 the governments all over the world have been looking at that uh, flexibility that uh, such, a, such a provision offered to, the, to, to their oh, government okay. when me, they are in power. So this. Let me ask you this. Do you think Joe Biden won? Look, I'm, I'm, as a foreign citizen, I will abstain on commenting that. The only Come thing on, I will man. comment, there's the only thing I will comment is that I believe in your constitution. And I believe that on uh, January 20th, he was elected president of the United States. That's what it is. Was he elected That's president of the United States on November the 3rd? He was elected president of the United States on January 20th. He was 20th. made president of the United States on January the 20th. Was he elected president of the United States on November the 3rd? Look, I believe, in, I believe that the constitution of each country is what matters the most. And as far as I know, as far as I understand... Was the Constitution followed in the United the States? The people that are supposed to enforce the Constitution said it was fine. Right. That doesn't mean it was fine. I think that you have to clean up your electoral system. Let I me give you an example. The, the main problem is the fact that if I wanted to, I could go in, a, in, a, in, an, in an electoral booth... And I could say, look, I'm, my name is. Uh, you could say you Joe were twenty Schmo. people. No, you could say you were Joanne Schmo, and they wouldn't. Yeah, and they would let me vote, right. which is not a, a good system. And this is something you have to fix because if you don't fix it, even even foreigners are going to doubt your your system truthfully because it will it will repeat itself many times. And when the leader is not does not have the confidence of other foreign leaders because they don't believe his election was fair and square, your voice doesn't matter the same way. Jerome, the reason I'm pressing you on this is because they're going to do the same thing to you. 
Oh, I know you, that. You, you, are, the you, social you, media are going to do that. We, we, are, we have the entire system against us. But the, we, we also learn from example. So we are fighting very hard against this change of election uh, practice. You know, what the, if you the lose one that? that? We won't lose that because it's... I don't believe we will lose that. I think it is it is under 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 a lot of scrutiny. Even the mainstream media in 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 France have felt that it was a bad battle to engage because of the of the commotion it created in the United States. So it it's too much an opportunistic movement. It's too close to the U.S. election. So if it were two years from now, maybe they would have a a, a, a window in order to do that. Right now, I don't believe they they have such a window. So you I'm don't think they will do advanced voting for I this think, next election? No, I don't think they will be able to do advanced voting. But I'm much more worried about social media. And I think we have to fight back against this coup made by the social media. The fact that uh, a, a sitting president is banned from uh, from uh, from being able to express itself on on Twitter or or Facebook does not make any sense. It's a coup made by uh, by by these people, and this is when we have to assert the fact that. The rules of a company, whichever company it is, are below the constitution of a country. So in your constitution in the United States, free speech is something that has to be respected. And definitely uh, Twitter uh, should, have, should, should have some repercussion uh, because they did not respect free speech. And they have absolutely no right of, of taking a sitting president out of, uh, uh, out of the conversation with, uh, with the Americans. And we see the same thing in France. We have a, a lot of our leaders uh, that are slowly being taken out of Facebook First time for a couple of hours, then a couple of days, then a couple of weeks. We, You're we talking fear. about elected officials? Yes, elected officials. So it's so happening all around the world. It's happening all over the world. European countries, some of them are fighting back. Mm. Uh, Poland has taken some legal action. Austria, Austria has taken some, uh, some, some legal moves. And we are requesting with Marine Le Pen, we are requesting a, a stronger scrutiny of the people that hold position in such uh, social media that to, to make them accountable when they turn somebody off and we want them to we want to be able to have a, uh, a, a capability to go in front of a trial to go in front of a jury because right now when they turn you off when they when they ban you, you there is nothing you can do which is not uh, normal to me enough yeah and it's not it's not a, a normal state of affairs so we 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 see it as a as a threat and some Globalist or some the equivalent of rhinos, you know, they are not full fledged globalists, but they, they, they are in between. They are people worried in that your it's former going party. To, people in my former party, they are they are slowly getting worried that it might happen to them too. So the the point is, as much as I believe in capitalism, I don't believe in financialism. Mm -hmm. And right now, what you have is not capitalism anymore. It's a it's a, a, a very little number of people that are ruling because they display amounts of money that are larger than some states, and they have to be dismantled. I truly believe that as much as ATT used to be dismantled to do the bells in the United States, companies such as Facebook and Twitter need to be dismantled oh, in order to have a... They are far more powerful exactly. than the bell system so, ever was. So they need to be dismantled the same way. So, so, But the bell system was a predominantly American system. We're now talking about an international cartel, oligarchy, you know, whatever you want to call it right so have you been following the situation in australia at all australia no so so facebook removed every australian news outlet from the facebook app and website last week because the australian government was trying to force uh these the social media companies to pay 
for the news items that they well, pulled yes, they, yeah, from news the sites. Tax, yes. The tax, yes, the tax right? Yeah. And Facebook turned around and said, F you, we're just taking Australia offline, effectively. Any Australian-owned or, or created media source was no longer on Facebook. I think it was a period of like three or four days that this thing lasted for. But it was a show of force from these social media companies that, hey, we, we can't just, it's not just that we can unperson people. We can uncountry countries. We can unnation nations. Effectively, Australia was deleted from this entire infrastructure. It was 40% of Australians got their news from Facebook. I mean, that is a contemporaneous figure. And they suddenly found that no Australian news outlets were available on the Facebook app. Now, you may say caveat emptor, right? Is that the people should, buyer beware, the people should know before they engage in Facebook and using Facebook as their uh, news outlet that this is a private company and they can take whatever uh, things they want to, 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 to further their business in any way they want. The difference being, however, is that these big tech companies are protected. They're protected by legislation. They do deals with governments. They benefit from government contracts. These aren't private businesses, like you say. This isn't capitalism. This is corporatism, right? Yeah, and and also, but you know, we have to we have to name the blame. And as much as I think that uh, Donald Trump was a, a, a good president, not only for the United States but for the for the countries that uh, the United States dealt with, I think he made some terrible mistakes. And by refusing to deal with social media by refusing to acknowledge the fact that they were a threat, he put uh, <laughs> the United States himself and the rest of the world at risk because the, the fact that Twitter was able to ban him, was a, a, it's, it's a bad move for the, for, for the entire world. He, should have, he, he knew and he should have acted upon it. I think that's right. I think he was told by a specific set of advisors, topic for another day, um, that it wasn't a priority. I was at the White House's social media summit. I know what it was supposed to be at the outset, and I know what it turned into, which was basically a means by which to make social media influencers feel loved and appreciated because they got an invite to the White House, rather than actually tackling the issue from a legislative perspective. Jerome, because in the end, it is, it is, it is a people that are on those social media. And as much as you say you cannot do anything with Twitter and Facebook, that's not true. You can grab these people. You can grab the CEOs and you can oh, put I'm them on trial. Oh, I'm not saying I think you absolutely we, we, can. We can. We can put yeah. them on trial and tell and let them know, look, you, you, you have, you, you have uh, made moves that are not constitutional, so you are going to be accountable for that. And they have a lot of money, so they can pay fines. They, we, have to, we have to make them accountable where it hurts them. Can I get you to uh, break some news here and make a pledge here on this podcast that if Marine Le Pen does win um, your election, that you will see to it that, or at least do everything in your power that you can do. I don't know if you're going to be a government minister one day or whatever, but do everything in your power to make sure that the social media companies are held accountable. In France, we will, uh, not only for, will for I make I mean, sure, I don't expect but I know, you to do it in America. I, I know that this is, this is one of Marine's pledge. She, she's very serious about that. Not only because it is our future that is at stake, but also because she she believes, and we believe that we are the party of uh, of freedom in France. We believe we have to reinstate freedom. The the globalists have have uh, weakened our, our liberties. Uh, the the pandemic has been the opportunity for them to to restrain the freedom of uh, of movement, the freedom of speech, the freedom of everything. So we are running on the platform of the party of freedom with Marine Le Pen. So definitely, it will be a major task. That she will handle. 
Natalie, that's some breaking news right there. So we've got to get that up on the website right now. Jerome Riviere, member of the European Parliament, the president of the uh, Identity and Democracy Group. Just before we go, and I know this is a very tough issue to fit in the, the, the next five minutes, but I want to ask you this flat out. Is France, you talk about France, is there a France still? Yes, of course. It's a, it's a country with that's more than a thousand year old, so there is a strong identity. And uh, it, is at, is it, it is at risk nowadays. In fact, it is at risk. We are under uh, a huge stress with uh, Islamism, which has nothing to do with, uh, not nothing to do, but it's not Islam. I'm talking about a movement that is a political movement that wants to... Um, you're not talking about Muslims. Yeah, exactly. You're I'm talking, talking about, about Islamism. Ideology. Exactly what is happening with the Shiites in Iran yeah. or what is, uh, what is happening with, uh, with, with Sunnis in, in, in Qatar, for example. Mm. It's people that want to take some of this religious belief into a legal system. And we Sharia. Have a, Sharia, no, notably. Uh, so we have, a, we have a huge divide in France. Some areas are, are basically under Sharia rule. And, and Macron... Even Macron recognized the problem a couple of months ago and he made a speech saying that he's going to pass a law against this, uh, this partition of France. He did nothing. And well, the does law he recognize the problem or recognize there's an election coming? No, he did recognize. He, he mentioned for the first time, he mentioned Islamism as, a, as an issue. Okay. But he, the, the, he brought a law to Congress three weeks ago and the world is not even the word. Islamism is not even in the law. So, as usual, he says something and does the exact opposite. But the the the, front of the French citizens do f- believe that there is a French identity. They feel that this is at risk, and this is also a major subject of the of the next uh, election. When I was talking about liberty and freedom, this is part of the of the core of what are uh, what the french people are so yes i, I I'm, I'm very hopeful I, I would not be in politics if i did not believe we could we could change them and and we we can we can uh, we can have a positive impact and you have behind you you have this uh, saying of churchill success is not final failure is not fatal it's a courage to continue that counts and and this is what we have we want to continue and F- france is is there for another thousand year i hope I totally forgot that that was behind me, but you're right. That is framed on my wall. Success is not fa- final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Jerome Riviere, we hope that you have the courage to continue and that you do continue and that God blesses you in your in your journey, and your fight. It's, it's incredibly important. This audience recognizes how important it is, and we wish you Godspeed in that journey, Jerome. And thank, thank you for you. joining us. Thank you for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all for today. I want to thank our guest, Jerome Riviere, member of the European Parliament, one of these just the most amazing, amazing, amazing people I have ever had the pleasure of knowing. He always brings the heat. And of course, this being the afternoon here in Washington, D.C., we are going to head right across the road right now, back to the war room, more conversations to have with Jerome and the French delegation in town, heading to CPAC the next couple of days. Boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to discuss later on this afternoon. I want to make sure that you all know that I am incredibly grateful for every time you share this show, for every time you take an action, for every time you defend your nation, for Western civilization. Ladies and gentlemen, you are the front lines. 
I'm Raheem Kassam, Editor-in-Chief of TheNationalPulse.com. If you want to support our work, head on over to TheNationalPulse.com forward slash support. And we'll see you again tomorrow.